welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. We're starting a new sermon series today. I'm really excited about it. It's called Route 66. It's a road trip throughout the Bible. Americans are known for their love of the road. And uh, I'm thrilled that gas prices have gone down in the summer other than up like they normally do. Um, but we love road trips, and we're going to take a road trip through God's Word. Uh, I've, we've called this Route 66 because there are how many books in the Bible? Route 66, and Route 66 is a historic route, meanders across the Midwest, it ends up in California, and, uh, um, and you can imagine if you're going to go on a road trip across America, you can't hit every place, but you can stop and see some places that are really big, plus all these little side trips. And so today we're going to begin with the life of Joseph, because he is absolutely strategic in the formation of Israel. And this message is called From Ruin to Ruler. That's the title of this message. And we'll see what we can learn from these Bible characters. And there are several that we want to do. And staff, have we discussed this, Abraham and David and Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joshua. I just love all of them. Uh, Paul, Peter, you name it. I mean, there's more places to go on this route than you can go, but we're going to hit some of the, the ones that we really like. But we're also going to take a few side trips. How many like to take side trips? You, what? Are you awake or what? I mean, if you're driving, don't you? Am I? Are you all so busy? you got to get there. I love when I'm, for instance, we went, we, we went to the beaches yesterday. I hate that traffic. I hate that traffic. And I looked on 95, and there's red, 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 yellow, yellow, yellow. I said, I'm going up through Cecil County. And they said, yay for Route 1, all right. Some of the most pretty country on God's green earth. I'm telling you what. Up through Rising Sun and those farms that are up through Newark, Delaware. And all I can say, if I'm on a road trip like that, particularly on a vacation, if I see fresh strawberries for sale, guess who's pulling in? And I said, you know, it might take me a half hour longer, but I'd rather drive for a half hour through pleasant country than be stalled for a half hour, 45 minutes on I-95, plus pay all those tolls. Is there an amen in the house? All right, yeah. But I love those road trips. And so some of the ones we've talked about is Esther, Deborah. How about Hosea and Gomer? How many know that Gomer is a woman, not a man, not Gomer Pyle, but Gomer is a woman in the Bible? Okay, so we're, there, we're, we're going to look at this, and today though, we're going to start with uh, one of my favorites in God's Word, which is Joseph, from ruin to ruler. Let me give you a little bit of a background. He was the 11th of Jacob's sons and the firstborn of Rachel, who Jacob loved more than Leah. That's the start of some of the problems right there. He was loved more than the others because he was the son of Jacob's old age and the son of Rachel. Jacob gave him a coat of many colors, probably indicating that 
Jacob one day would make him head of the tribe. How many know in the middle of 12 sons, that, or 11 at that time, <laughs> and, and in that ancient Near East culture, when you got a coat like that, that meant you were favored and you were exalted. How many know that doesn't set well with everybody else? And then in the middle of this, of this act, Joseph has two dreams and he interprets them and says that, he suggests or says the interpretation is that he will have future greatness and his brothers will be subservient to him. This is the dramatic context for this story. Plus, all of his older brothers are out herding sheep, but he was, hold, he was held back in the tents and his dad would send him out to check up on his older brothers and the Bible said he came back with a bad report about them. So what, how do you think that sets with somebody? They're known as a squealer in the family. Plus, he's going to be higher than them. And so what happens when Joseph was 17 and he was sent to his brothers to see how they're doing in the wilderness, his brothers had an opportunity to fulfill their jealousy and do away with him. They planned to kill him, but the oldest brother Reuben objected and they cast him into a pit, a pit from which Reuben intended to rescue him and restore him to his father. And they, they took his coat and, and they, they killed an animal and saturated it with blood and gave it to the dad and said, look what happens to your son, he's dead, an animal got him. However, in Reuben's brief absence, the remaining brothers, except for Judah, conspired to sell him to the Ishmaelite merchants headed to Egypt. How many know the name Ishmael? Ishmael was also the product of jealousy and unrighteousness. Abraham was to have a son in his old age, and his, his wife, Sarah, said she concocted this scheme. You go into my, my handmaiden, and you lie down with her and have a baby, and they had a baby by the name of Ishmael, but Sarah became so jealous that she drove Hagar and his son Ishmael out into the wilderness. But God's word back then came, this is what the writer says, that the hand of Ishmael would be forever and posterity on the throat of his brother, which are God's people. And you can see what the ongoing tension in the Middle East attests to that. And so there was jealousy and there were things, there was a long history of this in their families. So he was sold to Potiphar, the captain of the bodyguard for Pharaoh, which would be like the head of the secret service. Young Joseph proved himself to be so intelligent and trustworthy that Potiphar entrusted him with all the affairs of his household, which would have been extensive. Genesis 39 states several times the Lord was with Joseph, and so he was a successful man. However, Potiphar's wife one day saw that he was handsome in form and appearance and she looked at him with desire and she said, come lie with me. She was a cougar, a cougar, saying to a young man, my husband's away and no one else is in the household. You come up to my bedroom and no one will know to a slave. She fully expected him to say yes. And we'll read a little bit in what happened and what he did. But he replied, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? And when he refused her repeated advances, 
she falsely accused him to Potiphar and who rightly threw Joseph into prison where the king's prisoners were held. What he could have done and was justified in doing was fulfilling the law, the written law at that time, is that if in the ancient Near East cultures, if, if someone committed adultery with your wife or tried to commit adultery, you would be summarily executed, no questions asked. But I believe Potiphar knew this, is, this wasn't the first go-round for his wife. And he chose instead because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success and he served his master. He chose to imprison him not in a federal penitentiary but in what we would call a white-collar facility with other political prisoners. The Lord was with him. The Bible says this in verse 21, 21 again, but the Lord was with Joseph and, he, and extended kindness to him and gave him favor of the jailer. In verse 22, the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all of the prisoners and the Lord made him to prosper. There is no substitute for the favor of God in our lives. None. He interpreted their dreams, and one was the chief cupbearer who was in there. The cupbearer was restored to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had a troubling dream, and no one could, no one could interpret his dream, and they called for Joseph, and Joseph rightly predicted what would happen and what it was, his interpretation. And the next thing you know, Pharaoh invited him into his court and he eventually arose to become the second in the land to all of Pharaoh. He would be, he was the second in charge. No one was greater than he was except for Pharaoh himself. Meanwhile, the famine hit. There was the famine hit and the only one that had food was Egypt because they followed uh, Joseph's strategic plan. And because his family back home was wealthy, they said, we'll go down to Egypt and we can afford to get out. We'll buy, we'll buy wheat or provisions and we'll be able to survive this. And they went down and you know the story that Joseph saw them and he wept, but he didn't, they didn't recognize him because he, was in a, he looked Egyptian. And as things kept going, eventually he said, if you come back next time, you have to bring your youngest brother. And they were afraid to death, but it was either die, die, or obey the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's second in command. They brought him down. And then Joseph revealed himself. And because of that, because of that, he invited Jacob. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's the line of the people of God, of which you and I are the people of God. There's only ever been one people of God from the beginning of all time. And they invited him down, and they lived there for 400 years in the land of Goshen, which was part of the, they were sheep herders, but it was also part of the breadbasket of the Nile. And they were able to supply, to, to survive, and they, they survived, and they multiplied 400 times. In fact, remember, they, they're having so many children and so many males that the one pharaoh said, kill all the infant males under two years old, and Moses was one. Remember the story and, and how Pharaoh's daughter found him, and, and Moses was the deliverer. But Jacob, 
Jacob, in God's word, he presents a noble ideal of character, faithfulness to duty, and a forgiving spirit. He is often regarded as a type of Christ. What can we learn from him? And that's where we're going to go today. What can we learn from him? The first thing is this. First thing is this. Don't be surprised by fiery trials as a follower of Jesus Christ. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Verse 13 says, this isn't in your notes, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Trials are not always connected with wrongdoing in our lives. They are normal in the course of life and in following Jesus. There's a false perception that if God is pleased, we are always blessed, but if we displease him, then he causes trouble for us. And another false perception is life is what you deserve. I rebuke that in the strong name of Jesus. Life is not what we deserve. There's an enemy against us and there's God that's for us. We don't deserve what he throws at us and we don't deserve the grace of God, but because of his great grace and love and kindness towards us, he lavishes that upon us. Can someone say, thank you, Lord? But life is not what we deserve. But trials come to prepare us often for some better thing. God used Joseph's slavery to ultimately save God's people. God's ways are not our ways, but he is in control of those who are in control. Praise his name. So in the middle of this, it's important to ask, what am I doing that is unhelpful? And also ask, what is God doing that is helpful? When we go through these times, we go through these times, all we want is for it to stop. Is there an amen in the house? Amen. God, stop. Please, 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 stop. Um, some time ago, about 13 years ago here at Grace, we went through a, um, an ordeal I never wish on anyone, and this thing drug out, and there's nothing that any good person at Grace had done, but a thief arose among us, and it devastated the congregation, and in the middle of this, I would say, God, I would say, God, please, just show me what I did wrong, and I'll stop it. <laughs> Tell me what I did wrong, I'll stop it. You know, and God never showed me what I did wrong because I didn't do that wrong. But God, God, all I knew, stop, stop, stop. And the heavens were brass and, and, and it seemed like we were in an aquarium and it seemed to me that even the leaves on the trees were plastic and you just couldn't break through. It was surreal and you're there like you're, like you're a, like you're a plastic doll or something. But looking back now, I understand 
that even in the middle of those things, God indeed causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called together for his purpose. Can someone say amen? Even in the middle of where we are, God is there. He is with us. And not only is God an able God, he is a faithful God. He is a faithful God. Praise his name. But it is important to say, Lord, what am I doing that's unhelpful? You notice that once Joseph got in Potiphar's house, he wasn't bragging to anyone anymore that he was going to be number one. How many know if you're a slave, it's really not wise <laughs> to brag to anyone else that's above you? I'm going to be number one one of these days. God had worked something out in his life even through all those trials so we never hear it again from Joseph what he was going to do. But promotion comes from the Lord. The second thing I'd like to share with you from God's word is to conduct ourselves for promotion and not demotion. Genesis 39, 9. Joseph replied to Potiphar's wife, there is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. There's some things that are sacred then, and there's some things that are sacred now, and there's some things that will be sacred for eternity. Our marriages. So he said, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. Trouble presents opportunities for promotion and demotion. Temptations for demotion. We've been treated unfairly. We didn't get that assignment that we thought we should get. What are your weaknesses and strengths? Our unconsecrated strengths become huge weaknesses. Our unconsecrated strengths become huge weaknesses. When we built this first building, and uh, some of you know I have a building background, and I so much wanted to, I want to be the builder for this. So, and the Lord said, don't you dare. He said, don't do it. He said, Pastor, don't do it. He said, you'll, you'll kill yourself and you'll kill, kill them. And this is what he said. He said, I'll lift my hand of blessing and favor off your life. That was during the Brownsville Revival. God, I mean, deeply did something inside of me. And what the Lord showed me then that our strengths can become our weaknesses because we can rely on ourselves. But without God's touch, our strengths can really, really debilitate and nullify what God is doing. So serve the house you find yourself in because your steps are ordered of the Lord. Every employee thinks they can do a better job than their boss. And that might be true, but you're not the boss. Is there an amen? Is there something? 
That's not the point that you can do a better job than your boss. That's not the point. Jesus said if we would ever be people of authority, we must be under authority. Authority, respect, and honor are core values of the kingdom of God. And so he served, Joseph served the house that he was in. He understood that his steps were ordered of the Lord. I've had the privilege to serve with some great men in our fellowship. And I've also had the privilege of having God's favor in my life and they're opening their hands to me in ways that I never deserved. Uh, some of you know I served at our general headquarters for seven years. I'll never forget um, Charles Hackett, who's, and you know, he's the grandfather of, of our youth pastor and associate pastor, Bobby. He said to me, Paul, he said, for some reason, he said, God's favor is on your life. And he said, you're having opportunities that people who lived here, who have worked here for 20 years, will, they, they have never gotten and they give their right arm to have. And God's favor is on your life. I really happen to believe it was because it was involved with church planting, which is the mission of God, expanding the kingdom of God. I just think that's what it was. It wasn't my doing. But when God's favor comes, how many know you've got to do something with the favor of God? And so it comes that uh, this past week, and Billy O'Neill, I'll call your name out. Uh, Billy started working for the electrician. You're still working for him, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. So our electrician from True Light, who we really like, has been, he's been so kind to the church. And he and his daughter, Nicole, and, you know, they've just been saying, so he said, Pastor Paul, I, I really need someone to help this summer. Do you have anyone? And I said, yeah. I, there's a guy I heard he's looking for a job, and, and I think, uh, I said, I think he'd do a good job. I don't know if he's an electrician or not, but I know he's faithful, and he loves God, and he serves, he serves right here, even though he's from North Carolina. How many know it's easy? He could graduate, graduate Liberty, come up here, he's teaching, and it'd be easy to not be involved in church, to sort of duck out, but he's got involved in a church and he's faithful and he's serving and, and people just love him. He serves in the youth group. And I said, that's what I know about him. And so one thing came to another and Billy didn't even tell me he hired on. I come on the job and there he is with his hard hat on. And so I said to Don, I said, how's it going? He said, oh, I really like him. I said, why is that? He said, because he's always doing something. He said, there's no standing around waiting for me to tell him what to do next. God, that brings the favor of God. How many understand that? Serving in that house. And, and I just think it's terrific, particularly since you're now associated with grace, that you're doing a great job. God bless you. Thank you, Billy. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. But faithfulness and integrity and skill bring favor from man and God. I happen to believe that, that followers of Jesus Christ should be the best employees in their company. Without question, their work ethic, their work ethic, showing up five or ten minutes early for work is not going to kill anybody. How many know that? How many, it's just not. Notice Joseph's attitude and the consequent blessings of promotion. Even though he was not an Egyptian, an Egyptian promoted him, and he daily stood in his integrity because God was with him. 
And then the fourth thing under conduct yourself for promotion is don't eat the apple. Don't eat the apple. God's favor is on you, man's favor. You're going to be put in a position where people trust you and they're not going to check up on you. And they'll never suspect that you would do anything to harm them. That's what trust is all about. How many understand that? So that presents juicy red apples. Don't eat the apple. Joseph's apple was Potiphar's wife. I don't have to go into all the details. But he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. He had an opportunity to take advantage of the house, but it would have disqualified him and led to disaster and spiritual demotion and and who knows, and we know for sure that God, that he would not have been central to the plan of the formation of Israel and deliverance coming out of Egypt. So are you faithful to the house you are in? Faithful to the house you're in. Where will your conduct lead? And my prayer is, followers of Jesus Christ, that God would bless you and God will promote you and God will watch over you. Then keep standing in God's grace, his great grace. Paul wrote in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This almost blows me away that we could have peace with God. Through whom we also have attained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. Our grandkids, this week, they, they want to go swimming in the ocean. I'm glad where we stay has a pool. Someone just told me in the first service, be careful, Pastor Paul, the big sharks are biting people up and down the East Coast. And I went, oh, gosh, I hope our grandkids don't hear that. You know? so, but they want me to go in. The more birthdays I have, the less I want to go in the ocean. I used to love it. I mean, stay out there, it seemed like for hours, and look like a white prune when I got done. Body surf and just, you know, throw kids up in the air, your kids when they're little, and, you know, just throw them way up in the air and that whole thing. But not so more, not so much anymore. And, uh, but the grace of God, I've often thought when I was in that ocean, I couldn't, I couldn't stop the waves that just keep coming coming, coming. And the grace of God in our life is just like that, folks. We have obtained an introduction to the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He has justified us just as if we'd never done or sinned. We stand in the presence of God and we have access to his throne where we find mercy and grace in the time of need. This entrance and supply of grace come from his finished work in our life and our faith relationship with him. Nurture a rich relationship with Christ. In other words, keep the pipeline free and unclogged, the pipeline of grace. 
Um, my wife and I moved into a new home um, in the Midwest, and we, we just loved that home, and uh, uh, it was just neat, backed up to the woods, and uh, the Ozark, Ozark woods are different than Maryland woods. Uh, there's a lot of rock outcroppings, and there's caves, and, and, and it's mostly oak, and so in the, in the wintertime, it'll be all white, but the oak trees have this this grayish brown, and then they, they keep their leaves on. A lot of the, these sort of pale orange leaves that are there. It just it really was gorgeous. I like Maryland better than Missouri, though, by the way. And, uh, but it was so nice. But we had an insincorator. How many have an insincorator? You know what an insincorator is. And it was my habit. Uh, we eat eggs almost every day because I like eggs. We ate them when they said they weren't good for you. We've eaten them now with great joy since they are good for you. And now two weeks ago, they came back and said, well, maybe not. You know, we're going to keep on eating them. That's all I can say. Chocolate's no good. Now it's good. Okay, give me a pound. You know, now no, it's no good. Coffee's no good. But maybe it is good. I'm just grinding my own beans every day, you know, just. <sighs> we, there's not many sins we can do as Christians, so just leave me alone with my coffee and chocolate and my eggs. Leave me alone with my eggs. So, we had this insincorator. And you know, the wonderful thing about an insincorator is almost everything you put down there except bones and silverware grinds up and it's gone. So every day I put my eggshells down there, it's gone. And... Uh, we were in the house, it wasn't, I don't know, six months or a year. Then we noticed it was draining sort of slowly, and then it would back up. But you let it sit there, and it'd take a half hour or so, and then voila, it's cleaned back out again. So what in the world's going on? So someone said, get a snake. So I got a snake. Not, not a snake handler, but a snake. You know what a snake is, a wire snake you put in the thing. So we did, and we'd do it, and it Water would flow for about five minutes, then it'd just start backing up again. And, and um, I went down, and for some reason, where they'd put the clean out, uh, I ended, I said, I, I'm so frustrated with this thing. I really am frustrated. I'm going to cut this line and see what in the world is going on. So I, I get the stepladder, and I'm in the basement. You just have to picture this, you know. I'm going to find out, you know, what this is. And I saw through this thing, and when the pipe separated, this big glop of stuff, honest, come right down on my face. <laughs> so I called my, my plumber friend across the road that he was retired. What a great guy. And I said, I cannot figure this thing out. He said, well, that's eggshells. I said, what? Yeah. He said, you've ground them up. He said, don't throw a bunch of them down all the time because they, they have this because he said, you've got a long run and it's not real steep. And he said, what they've done, they've compacted in there like the sand of the sea and so when you put something down, it compacts it. Then you let it go and sort of like goes through, right? And he said, don't do that. That's what the deal was. 
and we were doing things that was easy and convenient. We were doing it our way. I never read the instructions of the insincorator. Just, I, I love that sound. It's gone. But God calls us, listen, to keep the pipeline unclogged in our, of grace between us and God. And when we do things our way and in our strength, it will slowly build up so the grace of God is impeded by things that we do in our life. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So those things you really enjoy, those eggshells, just throw them on the compost heap. Send them out some other way. But nurture a rich relationship with Christ. Stand on his word. Do it his way. Claim the calling that God has in your life. React righteously and conduct yourself with honor. His grace will buoy you up, and it'll but it'll never drown you. Can someone say amen? This grace in which we stand. The fourth thing is trust God's providence. Trust God's providence. That's so hard. So hard. As for you, this is the final picture that we have. Joseph now reveals himself, and they're all trembling. They're scared to death, his brothers. They didn't know what he's going to do. And this is what he said. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I'll provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What is meant for our evil is often meant by God for our good. We just want it to stop, 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 stop. When the Lord put it in my heart that we should, uh, to expand, and, and you've responded so generously and just, just so wonderfully, I honestly, I honestly thought that this would be a piece of cake. I've got this building thing down. I have a building background, built my own homes, was construction supervisor way back in the day on several church projects and, and just know what promotion is. And, you know, they always want you to take on more and more. And I, and I had to come to a point where God said to me, you can't do both. I've called you to pastor and I want you to pastor. You, you can't. I'll provide for you some other way. I had no idea that we'd go into this building project and it would, be, it would be the most difficult building project that I've ever been involved with in my entire life. And, and you all have been so good. And the Lord has reminded me that even in this, he said, I'm... I'm 
I'm not through with you. I still have a work inside of you to do. Even where we think it's our strength, God has a different opinion. What happens when we go through trials? We go through trials, and if we'll call out to the Lord, God will break things off us that we could never break off ourselves. He will, because he's in the business of conforming us to his son, Jesus Christ. We're never a finished product. I want to thank you, Grace, for being courageous instead of playing it safe. You've made so many things possible because you've been courageous. You've not looked for the exit doors. But trust God's providence. That's his divine ability to see, to provide, and to order our steps. Between God's providence and his grace, and I like to say grace, I define God's grace as a bridge to where we knit we need to go. We can't get there by ourselves, but God's grace provides that bridge. Between his grace and his providence, that's his divine ability to see, to provide, and to order our steps. And then quickly forgive. Don't let bitterness control you. Move on. God vindicates. But he vindicates in his own time. Hold steady. Hold steady. Let go. And let God. What he brings you to, he is able to pull you through. Can someone say amen? No matter what it is. Don't be surprised by the fiery trials. Conduct yourself for promotion and not demotion. Stand in God's grace. Trust his providence in our life. He will strengthen you. He'll strengthen me. He will improve us. He will honor you. He will bless you. He will show you his favor. But most importantly, Jesus will be glorified. Jesus will be glorified. One day when we stand before the Lord, we stand before him. I, my desire is found in Romans 16. In fact, I, I said to my wife, I said, I'd like this on my gravestone. Simply, Paul said, greet Apelles approved in Christ. Just a little rabbit trail. We've checked out those headstones. They're so expensive, and they charge by the letter. So I don't know what's going to be on mine. But in an, if I could have my will, it would be approved in Christ. How about that? About that. But I also want it known of me. I also want it known as me that when I've gone through trials, I've stood in his grace, that I've recognized that God is doing something in my life and there's always something more. We've never arrived. And that's the great joy. David said, my adversaries surrounded me. Psalm 3, you can read it for yourself. They plotted to kill me and this poor man cried to the Lord and he heard me out of his holy hill. 
And then he said, I laid down and slept, and I awoke before, because the Lord sustains me. Praise his name. Friend, that is our portion as a follower of Jesus Christ. The Lord sustains us. Praise God. Amen. He sustains us. He will not allow us to be, head, to be cast headlong. His grace, he is at work. Hold steady. Hold on. Stand in his grace. Look to the Lord. He's the captain of our salvation. He has some better thing. If we'll just say, Lord, yes. Yes, you're in control. Praise his name. Amen. Is God good or what? Amen. If the Lord had not been on our side, where would we be? Praise God. Praise his name. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Would you stand with me for a moment? We're going to bow our heads. I'd like you to close your eyes. Just bow your heads.